0: If eating less meat and more produce was one of your plans for this year, today is your day. New studies are out that are looking at the effect of plant-based diets on our health, both vegetarian as well as vegan diets. And we are covering this topic here today in this hour of an organic conversation, your show on everything that makes life worth living. I'm Helge Helberg. The average American consumes about 270 pounds of meat a year, making the United States the country with one of the highest meat consumptions per person in the world. 270 pounds per year is about three quarters of a pound of meat a day, every day. We know of our love for meat, and most of us know at least about some connection between meat consumption and our health, particularly cardiovascular or heart health. So how much healthier is a diet that is much more, or entirely, plant-based, that avoids animal meats or animal products altogether? And don't we need at least some amount of healthy meat in our diet? Is a meat-free diet really complete? Today we are talking with a nutrition expert about this topic including taking a close look at the newest studies on vegetarian and vegan diets. Vegetarian or vegan, the health benefits of plant-based diets. That's our focus in this hour of an organic conversation. All that and more coming up in just a minute. I'm Helge Hellberg. This show is brought to you by Bowman College, a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Become a nutrition consultant or a natural chef at one of their campuses or learn from home in a self-paced mentored distance learning program. For more information on a degree in holistic nutrition or culinary arts, bowmancollege.org. And Fry Vineyards, America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Award winning wines at frywine.com. That's F R E Y W I N E.com. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Hellberg. Our focus in this hour are new studies that have come out on the topic of vegetarian or vegan diets. How healthy are plant-based diets? Are they complete? Today we're talking with an expert on the topic, the health benefits of plant-based diets, vegetarian and vegan in this case, in this hour of an organic conversation. And on the phone with me is now Vandana Sheth a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and the spokesperson for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Vandana, do we have you on the line?
1: Yes. Hi, Helga.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today. So, vegetarian and vegan diets, new studies about the health benefits of plant-based diets. I do want to start, though, having you as an expert on the line uh, with us today about f- framing really the, the challenge. 270 pounds, I was saying in my intro just a few minutes ago, of meat per um, U.S. American citizen. That's three-quarters of a pound of meat every day. We have a love for meat and animal products in this country and it makes us one of the most animal product consuming countries in the world. What are the health consequences that we know of that that this poses?
1: There are many different studies that show this connection between high animal protein intake and potential risks for chronic conditions and diseases. So there was a study that was published last year in August where they found that high animal protein intake was associated with um, higher mortality rate, while a higher intake of protein from plant sources was associated with a lower risk for death. So basically, people who consumed a lot more meat products were at a higher risk for dying earlier than those who had more plant-based foods in their diets.
0: What's the problem with, with um, animal products? How do they... How they get? do they get metabolized, or why do they pose um, such a, a questionable source of nutrition?
1: Well, there are, of course, pros and cons to both sides. When it comes to animal protein, often it comes with a high um, calorie value. It comes with higher fat content, especially saturated fat content, and it typically comes with very low fiber because there is typically no fiber in animal protein. Whereas when you have a plant-based protein diet, you're getting protein from plant sources. So they naturally are usually lower in fat, and they're also higher in fiber. That combination might be a key factor.
0: And, you know, I'm talking 270 pounds per year, three quarters of a pound of meat a day. I I just feel that is an, an unbelievable amount in a way. It's almost a pound a day. And many people don't eat or eat very little animal meat. So other people then statistically must be eating their portion in addition. So there are many, many Americans who eat a pound on a regular basis. And just the sheer amount of that food, right, of one pound of animal meat a day, there's almost not much more space for vegetables, not just that uh, exactly. it's an alternative. There's <laughs> how, much, how much food can one eat in a day.
1: Right. And also there's an environmental impact when you think about the animal protein sources and the volume of food that it takes to produce that. Having more of a plant-based diet can be more environmentally friendly. It can be a better sustainable choice. And that's something that's definitely drawing more attention and interest.
0: Yeah. So there there are two new studies now that we, or or new studies that we want want to talk about specifically looking at vegetarian and vegan diets. Uh, You touched on the findings. Can we dive into that a little bit more? Chronic diseases, type two diabetes, heart disease, what have the studies found and what correlations are, are you seeing as an expert out of that?
1: Sure. Recently, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics came out with their position paper on vegetarian diets. They updated their previous position where they found, based on all the recent studies, that people who ate a vegetarian, including vegan diets, were able to meet all their nutritional needs. It was appropriate for anyone at all stages of life, and it was having positive benefits for preventing and treatment of certain diseases. So it could be not just while you're having diabetes or heart disease, but it actually could prevent you from having some of those conditions. So that was the new statement that came out.
0: And do they have they looked specifically to uh, conditions like uh, heart disease or uh, chronic diseases, inflammation in the body?
1: Yes, they did. And so some of the studies they looked at, so there was one that was the Adventist Health Study, where they found that the mean body mass index was highest in people who were meat eaters and lowest in those who avoided all animal products. They also, there was another study they looked at. This was the EPIC Oxford study, where researchers found that um, the highest mean BMI was among meat eaters and lowest among vegans. As far as cardiovascular disease risk, they found that vegetarian diets were associated with a reduction in the risk of developing the cardiovascular disease, and vegan diets seemed to be the most beneficial when it came to improving the heart disease risk.
0: So many people, many listeners know the difference, but can you make a distinction between vegetarian and vegan diets, just for once to clarify?
1: Absolutely. So when it comes to vegetarian diets, there are many gradations. Typically, a vegetarian diet is someone who's following a diet that includes predominantly plant foods but they avoid all flesh food. So they may or may not include egg or dairy products. Whereas someone who's following a vegan diet typically includes just plant foods, so they would exclude eggs or dairy products, and they may also exclude honey.
0: Great, thank you for do that, doing that. Um, vegetarian or vegan, the health benefits of plant-based diets, that's our focus in this hour of an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg, and I'm speaking with Vandana Sheth. She is the registered dietitian, nutritionist, and spokesperson for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. As we are diving into new studies that have come out to look at and substantiate further the health benefits of vegetarian and even vegan diets. You just touched on that vegetarian and vegan diets are suggested to be working for everyone, for for young people, for old people, from pregnant to an athlete. Are there any limitation, any restrictions? Is there anyone for whom a meat and dairy-free diet wouldn't work?
1: So just to back up, what I want to ensure is that just like anything, any diet that's not well-planned or balanced can have negative side effects. So when we're talking about a vegetarian or vegan diet, the catchphrase is making sure it's got a wide variety of foods and it's well-planned and you're getting all your nutritional needs met. If you have plant foods, doesn't automatically make it healthy. So, for example, you could have pastries, you could have cookies, you could have um, fried foods, salty foods that are technically vegan or plant-based but really don't give you a lot of nutritional value. So that's something to keep in mind. Also, if you're talking about a vegetarian or vegan diet for people across the different stages of life cycle, you want to pay special attention to some key nutrients such as iron, zinc, especially vitamin B12 if you're on a vegan diet. Um, Protein, you want to make sure you're getting enough calcium and vitamin D. Those are the nutrients of interest when I'm looking at someone either wanting to adapt or already going on a vegetarian or vegan diet.
0: Yeah, you're making a great point because we, we often talk in terms of labels. You know, I'm a vegan, I'm a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, it is a, a tool to navigate that that means I'm not eating meat products or even any animal product. But you're saying that a cookie without dairy and uh, maybe even without honey and without any animal fat is vegan, but it's as unhealthy potentially as any fried uh, foods that we could eat with, with animal products. It doesn't in itself mean it is healthier. Uh, a fresh, wholesome, whole food-based diet, whether it's plant-based or does include lean meats, is always a better choice. Is that what you're saying?
1: Exactly. Exactly. So you want to enjoy a wide variety of foods. So whether it's plant-based or not, you want to make sure half your plate is filled with colorful fruits and vegetables, one-fourth of it is filled with whole grains, whether it's from ground rice, quinoa, whole grain tortilla or whole grain bread. And one fourth of it should be your protein choice, whether it's beans, lentils, legumes, tofu, or it's animal protein. Just make sure it's lean and you're having just the right amount.
0: And you mentioned a a couple of key nutrients. If somebody was interested this year as the New Year resolution to try a much more meatless diet or maybe even meat-free or maybe even animal product-free entirely just to try that for a few weeks and see how that feels. Those key nutrients, can you repeat them and can you tell us uh, what to consider there, H- how to incorporate them even on a, in a vegan diet?
1: Sure. So the first and main nutrient of concern is vitamin B12 because vitamin B12 typically comes from animal sources. So if you're in a vegan diet and you're avoiding all animal products, you might not be getting a steady supply of B12 in our diet. And a good way to get it is if you were on a vegan diet, either make sure your plant-based beverage, your dairy alternative, whether it's soy milk or almond milk, make sure it's fortified with B12. Or you could get it from nutritional yeast that's been fortified with B12. You could get it from cereals that are fortified with B12. You could also get it from, if you're not vegan, if you're, Having dairy and eggs, then you would be getting B12 from those foods. But you could also consider a B12 supplement if you're not sure you're getting it on a regular basis.
0: And do you know, are you aware of any studies that have shown that if it's not in its natural form, let's say through a meat source, that the the way it's absorbed in the body, if it's in form of a supplement, is less effective?
1: You know, I haven't seen any specific studies. I'm not aware of that because most of my vegan clients and most of the people I work with who have a B12 source, either it comes from a supplement or from a fortified food, and they are meeting all their nutritional needs just as well.
0: Great. Again, we are speaking with Vandana, Sheth, the registered dietitian nutritionist and spokesperson for the academy of nutrition and dietetics who's joining us today from los angeles in this hour of an organic conversation as we are looking at vegetarian and vegan diets the health benefits of plant-based diets Vandana, just as a side note how did you get into this uh, you're one of the experts in this field and the spokesperson for this academy uh, what What is attracting you, what has brought you to nutrition, and what is, what is still attracting you every day in your work with clients?
1: Sure. Um, so I was born and raised in India, and food and eating fresh food um, as close to nature as possible and adding a lot of herbs and spices, that was just a way of life growing up. When I came to this country, I found that food was very different, And I already had a background (laughs) in nutrition in India. That's a very polite polite
0: way of saying it. It
1: was just different. um, Not good or bad, just different. And so I was a lifelong vegetarian. I was raised vegetarian. And so I had to come up with creative ways of making some of my favorite foods here. And I found that there was a growing interest for that here as well. And so I continued to pursue my second degree in nutrition here. I already had one there. But since food is so different... I wanted to make sure I understood how my potential clients would be eating here so I could adapt to their nutritional needs. Um, And I just I love working with food. I love talking about food. I enjoy food. You can't really be without food. It's part of our society. It's part of our daily um, ritual at home or wherever we go. So my biggest passion is helping people have a healthy relationship with food. So it's all about finding the right food, savoring it, nourishing
0: our body and really enjoying the whole experience That's Vandana Sheth registered dietitian nutritionist and spokesperson for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics Vandana we have many more questions we do need to take a quick break but meanwhile people can check out your website the website is the full name Vandana and then S-H-E-T-H dot com again uh, Vandana is V-A-N-D-A-N-A and then S-H-E-T-H dot com We'll take a quick break, but we have more questions about how appropriate a vegetarian vegan diet is for children, specifically for kids who still uh, live with developing bodies, and um, a couple other questions. So stay with us. This is An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Hellberg. And a thank you to our underwriters. This show is brought to you by Batiste Rum, the first eco-positive rum of the Caribbean. Ask for Batiste Rum at Trader Joe's and Whole Foods and other fine retailers. More information, BatisteRum.com. That's B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M.com. And thank you also to Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor of organic fruits and vegetables that has been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. From grocery store to company cafeteria to caterers and personal chefs, anyone can buy from Earl's Organic. Certified Organic Produce at EarlsOrganic.com And we are back here to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. vegetarian or vegan, the health benefits of plant-based diets. That's our focus in this hour here in An Organic Conversation. And we are speaking with the perfect person for this topic, a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and the spokesperson for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, who's joining us today from Los Angeles, Vandana Sheth. Vandana, right before the break, you mentioned children from from young to old plant-based diets. As their bodies develop, and we are looking at nutrients, what should children or parents, in this case, consider uh, when they are deciding or trying a, a plant-based, much more heavy uh, plant-based, less meat or no meat or no animal products diet? Sure. So
1: when it comes to children, just like Uh, We had mentioned earlier, a vegetarian and even a vegan diet can be healthy and appropriate for anyone, including babies, but the key is to make sure it includes a wide variety of foods. The couple of the specific types of vegan diets that I wouldn't be comfortable recommending for babies would be the raw food diet and the fruitarian diet. Those are very extreme, they're very restrictive, and they would most probably not meet all the nutritional needs for babies. As far as children go, you know, they are at a key stage where you want to support their healthy growth and development. A well-balanced vegetarian diet can meet their nutritional needs. Just something to think about is that vegetarian diets are often high in fiber and often low in fat. So you want to make sure that they don't get too full before they get all the calories they need. So make sure their foods, their snacks are nutritious and they are nutrient-dense.
0: Oh, interesting. That's an interesting challenge. You're saying because there's so much fiber in a plant-based diet, after three carrots and a pear, one could be full, but certainly mm-hmm. has not met the dietary re- requirements for that lunch.
1: Right, and so you want to balance it out. You want to make sure there's some protein, there's some fruits and vegetables, there's some whole grains. Try and get a variety of foods in, or make sure the snacks in between meals are also nutrient-dense.
0: You just touched on uh, raw food and uh, another, at least one other option. Mm -hmm. Can you guide us through what, because vegan is not just vegan, right? Or vegetarian is not just vegetarian. When we talk about plant-based diets, what are the many varieties that
1: somebody
0: might hear terms flying around at the store? Sure.
1: So the raw food diet is typically someone who is following strictly foods that are raw. So depending on um, if, they are, uh, depending on how strict they are. So when you're on a raw food diet, usually you're consuming products that are uncooked and unprocessed. Um, the percentage of raw foods could vary from 50 to 100% raw. So, and some of these uh, um, consumers or people who follow a raw diet may or may not be vegan. So they usually don't eat foods that are cooked beyond uh, 116 degrees Fahrenheit. So some examples of raw foods that are typically vegan fresh fruit, vegetables, nuts, seeds, um, sprouted grains, beans, dried fruit. Now, if they were not on a raw vegan diet, they might include raw fish like sushi. Uh, they might include raw milk products. And that is just the completely raw diet is definitely not recommended for infants and children because of concerns of nutrient inadequacy and also safety with the raw food. Sometimes it just may not be safe.
0: What's the downside of a raw diet, not just for children, but for an adult? If somebody were to try that, what what should they consider, easing into that or maintaining that?
1: Um, as far as the raw food diet goes, it does take a lot more planning and preparation. Because mm-hmm. if you are not cooking anything greater than 116 degrees Fahrenheit, there's a lot more prep involved, Sure. and you want to just put a lot more thought process. You have to be much more organized and make sure you really have everything in place for your meals. If you go out, you're going to be limited as to what you can have, without so that your social life as well. So there's something to think
0: about. It Would it be appropriate if somebody were raw at home, but when they go out, they do you know some cooked or some at least semi semi-raw uh, version, or is that too hard on the body, that once your metabolism is adjusted to raw foods and your digestive system, that then eating processed foods, even on an occasional basis in a restaurant, it's just too harsh of a, of a change?
1: You know, personally, I feel we all tend to have a combination of this anyway. Right. So when you're having salads at home or at a restaurant, it's basically a raw salad. And then we might have a soup or some kind of entree with it, which is cooked. So I think that might actually provide more of a balance in life if you were following, if you wanted to follow a raw diet at home and then be a little bit more flexible or adaptable when you're outside the home. That might give you that extra Uh, benefit as well
0: and of course the raw diet does provide the most unadulterated uh, nutrients i would imagine
1: true but at the same time i'm not necessarily sure you're getting all the nutritional needs met in that diet so i think a combination like a vegan diet yes it would meet all your nutritional needs with a raw vegan it's going to take it's definitely going to be a little bit more challenging
0: and we we do want to get to that. Um, but just to f- finish up with diet. So there's raw. And then you mentioned at least one other one.
1: Right. So there's the vegetarian. You can have two different types. You can have lacto-oval, which is people who include dairy and eggs in their diet. Or you might have lacto-vegetarian. So they would have dairy, but no eggs. You might have um, someone who's just strictly vegan. So all plant-based foods, no animal products you could, there's another variety potentially called fruitarian, where they would strictly have fruit-based foods. And I'm not very familiar with that, because I, again, feel when you're taking away too many food groups, you are just not capable of meeting all your nutritional needs.
0: Sure, that makes sense. And in regard to knowing whether or not you want to recommend dairy products or leaving dairy dairy products out, when you work with a client, what do you go by? Like, is it is it just trial and error? If are you saying let's for two weeks let's not do any dairy products and see how you feel? Then there's so many other factors in somebody's diet and in somebody's lifestyle that could contribute to let's say headaches or whatever whatever you might be looking for. How do you navigate that?
1: Sure. So a registered dietitian nutritionist can actually help people who want to follow a vegetarian eating plan at any stage of their life um, navigate this whole process. Because the first thing we do is actually have an in-depth conversation, kind of like what you and I are having today, but much more in-depth as to the type of foods they like to eat, their lifestyle, look at their lab work if we have any lab results, look at any chronic condition, any family history kind of get a full picture of what's going on in their life when it comes to food choices and then see what their goals are as far as health and wellness goes. And then depending on where they're at, what they're willing to do, if they're willing to make some food or if they just don't have the time, they need things that are ready to pick up and go. So it's a much more comprehensive session when you meet with a registered dietitian. And as far as the decision as to taking some food group out, it is something that takes a lot more Process. So, um, unless there's a specific reason for removing a food group, I prefer to keep the food as flexible as varied as possible.
0: So, which brings us kind of to the to the perfect picture. And from and no diet is the same for everyone. I understand that. If, if I'm sure you work with your clients from a general basis, but then individualize their approach and you know their biochemical individuality, of course. But if you, if you had to give us a picture of a healthy week or even just a healthy day, uh, what would that really in detail look like? Um, our, our listeners are always eager to get recommendations on truly you know, what are all the options for breakfast, what are all the options for snacks throughout, um, what's the function of the food that wakes you up more in the morning hours rather than something you know more in the afternoon, evening. Can you walk us through there?
1: Sure. And so, uh, again, just to wrap up what you were saying, I truly believe that there are many different approaches to eating healthy. Yes. And how we're a well-planned vegetarian or vegan diet is certainly one of the better ways from a health perspective. And it's also good for the environment. Um, there's a growing interest in vegetarian and vegan diets. I'm seeing it in my practice. I'm seeing it in the grocery stores. When I look at products, I'm constantly seeing new products. hmm Um, So if you're interested in doing this, I have some clients who are interested in doing this, but they're not sure where to begin. I usually encourage my my clients to start with at least one plant-based meal per week. There's a campaign here that's very popular called Meatless Monday. So you could start off with every Monday night, we're going to have a vegetarian meal as our dinner option. It could be something simple as if you were making a stir-fry dinner with lots of vegetables, you would simply replace your protein source either the chicken or meat, with tofu or beans. You could enjoy that with brown rice or quinoa. And right there, you've made a healthy vegetarian meal that's colorful, vibrant, and met all your nutritional needs. So when we talk about a typical day or a week, we often don't realize that many of our common choices are actually plant-based. So, for example, when you look at breakfast, you could have cereal um, that's fortified with nutrients, a whole-grain cereal, and simply substitute dairy or a dairy alternative as your beverage to pour in that cereal. That's an easy breakfast option. If you had oatmeal or quinoa as a hot cereal, you could have that with fruits and nuts and seeds. Right there, you've had a vegetarian, almost a vegan option.
0: And you were um, saying, just to um, clarify, with, with that cereal, you would use mm-hmm. a substitute of milk as what? O- oat milk or almond milk?
1: Um, So either if you do dairy, then I would say go ahead and do the dairy, but if you don't do the dairy, a dairy alternative like soy milk or almond milk or hemp milk, there are so many choices. Yes. So just make sure if you're adding those that you're paying attention to, is it fortified? What am I missing if I use this dairy alternative?
0: And the carbohydrates in cereal are not a concern? I mean, if somebody does it once or even once every week, uh, it's not a problem, but I come from a country where bread intake is just through the roof. I was Mm -hmm. just back again for the holidays to Germany. And in Germany, it's unbelievable to me now with a little bit of distance, having lived in this country for uh, many years, how much bread consumption there is. It's it's basically per family, at least one full bread uh, for a two or three person household a day. And that in itself uh, could be a problem. Or do you... How do, you, how do you excess, consider? Yeah, right?
1: anything in excess is a problem, and so I think it's a, it's a matter of trying to balance out what we're doing. Sure. So having a slice of whole grain toast with some nut butter or sunflower seed butter and fruit on the side is a perfect option. Mm-hmm. But if you're just having the bread with butter with no protein, no fiber coming in,
0: cheese on you know, top. That's yeah,
1: egg. yeah, cheese could work because that could be protein depending on the type of cheese. Sure. So, yeah, there are options within breakfast choices. There's always something you want to pay attention to. Try to get at least two to three food groups per meal. That way you have guaranteed a variety in that food
0: choice. Great. So that's breakfast. And then you touched on dinner. What about lunch and snacks?
1: Sure. So for lunch or dinner, you could enjoy a nice bean or lentil soup with a whole grain bread. You could have a sandwich made with whole grain bread. And your protein could either be cheese, if you have cheese, Or you could put some hummus, or you could put some tofu that's grilled, and right there you've got protein added to it, and you put lots of vegetables, tastes great. You could also make a nut butter and banana sandwich, so whole grain bread, add some peanut butter, almond butter, or sunflower seed butter, add some fruit in there, and that's an easy, satisfying lunch.
0: Wonderful. And what is your usual recommendation for, for snacks in the mornings or in the afternoons?
1: Sure. So usually we often don't meet our nutritional needs just with three big meals. So my go-to snack choices are either some hummus with either whole grain bread or crackers or with baby carrots or celery sticks, just some vegetables and dip. I would often have a whole fruit with some nuts on the side. Or I would recommend if you have young children, they often like smoothies. So making a smoothie with some kind of protein choice, Either with the nut butter or with, if they have yogurt, you could throw that in there and some fruit. Blend that up. It's a tasty, comforting snack. So those would be some easy options.
0: Yeah, it's fun. And um, when we start talking about food, as as we do right now, you and I, it's interesting how you know you threw out the 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 nut smoothie, banana nut smoothie. It sounds delicious mm-hmm. to me. And it might be a new world for somebody else. But it's interesting that the moment we actually allow the conversation about food and healthier options to occur, we are on a path towards health, right? Anyone who really thinks and talks about food uh, will not usually not make worse choices. They will make better choices. Is that your experience?
1: Exactly. So when you're focused on something, you tend to get results. So when you pay attention to the variety, the colors on your plate, you are a little bit more conscious of what you're eating. You're selecting things that add to that health goal. Um, You're also taking time to really not just plan your meals, but then you're taking time to really sit down and enjoy that meal, that savoring, that being more mindful in the moment of nourishing our body is often missing because we're so busy running around taking care of things, especially in this country. Often meals are in the car or at your desk. So just giving yourself that 10 to 15 minutes, to sit down and really enjoy what's in front of you without distractions and putting some time and thought process in beforehand so that you have those options with you. That makes a big difference.
0: Great. So this show came because of the studies uh, of on vegetarian and vegan diet, the health benefits of plant-based diets here on organic Conversation, our main focus in this hour, the average American consuming 270 pounds of meat. And because many people are basically meatless or entire meat-free, uh, that means that the average American eats just about a pound of meat a day, at least every day uh, throughout the year. Usually we say just add more vegetables and add more fresh fruit and add nuts and add, you know, healthier options, whatever that exactly mean for that person. But I do want to reverse that again and say if you had to take out in a specific list kind of the, the foods that are the most concerning uh, that you see as a nutritionist that somebody should really look at in terms of volume, at least reducing those, is there a hierarchy, would you say? Meats first or fatty meats first and then dairy following or eggs last. What is your what's your health hierarchy of elimination or reduction? No, again, at least? I, um,
1: so I come from a place where I do believe all foods can fit in a healthy diet. <laughs> and great. so I that's just the way I believe. It's a personal choice, it's a personal decision. It's so holistic. Yes,
0: right. <laughs> and so
1: um, realistically it's it's something that a client is interested or your listeners are interested in, if they are interested in being more healthy and achieving some of these goals, then yes, research does show having more vegetarians, having more plant-based foods can help them in this process. But the key is to make sure you're adding the healthy choices. Just like we discussed, just because something is plant-based or vegetarian doesn't give it that automatic health halo where it's perfect, it's great, it's meeting all your nutritional needs you still need to make sure it's balanced, it's got a wide variety of foods. If you had to cut back on animal proteins, I would say some um, key ones to pay attention to are the heavily processed foods that are very high in saturated fat, um, very high in sodium and some of the preservatives, because those don't necessarily add a lot of value, nutritionally speaking, to our diet. They might obviously be very flavorful, and that's why people like them, so maybe you could cut back on the portions of those choices.
0: What are those? Do you have a couple examples?
1: So, for example, um, any kind of processed meat, so the lunch deli meat, just read the label. Try to find one that's um, not got too many ingredients in it. Try to fi- find the leaner cuts when you're choosing meat. If my client was having chicken, I'd say, make sure the skin is off, it's um, grilled, it's cooked in a healthier fashion rather than breaded and fried. So you can make simple changes to the protein choice and
0: still make it healthy. Yeah, so you're saying rather a small piece of, or slice of roasted turkey rather than uh, the deli cut meats of, uh, of, of roasted turkey breast because I just realized a few weeks ago the second ingredient at the turkey breast, at Whole Foods even, a natural food store, uh, is sugar. Right. So, so just read the it's labels. fascinating, you know, fortunate. yeah, that you right. think that it's a piece of meat, but it's actually a highly processed, pressed together piece of you know Product. animal protein. Right. And and the second ingredient and the fourth ingredient were both sugars.
1: Right, and so you so usually what I have my clients do is just be more aware. So when you're shopping, read the labels. We are fortunate; we have labels with ingredients listed on them. Read the nutrition facts. That way, you're more aware of your choices. And I'm not saying you can't have foods that have a lot of sugar and a lot of salt. It depends on how often, how much you're having of
0: those foods. Sure.
1: Because it's all about taste, because our food choices are driven by our taste preferences. So if there's something you absolutely love, I usually have my clients just pick that choice, but let's just moderate the portions you're having and you know, add that to something that's much more healthy for you.
0: Wonderful. That is great. And uh, with high animal fat, that is, of course, a concern. So leaner, when it comes to animal fat, you're not saying oils are bad, but when it comes to high saturated animal fats, that is kind of mm-hmm. the the first thing that needs to go or be reduced if, if somebody listens to this and still has a fair amount of highly processed or high saturated animal fat in their diet. From all the statistics mm-hmm. and, and uh, studies that you have seen, that is really um, a food that is of the greatest concern, it sounds like.
1: It is, and getting a food as close to nature as possible, looking at the ingredient listing to find things that are, you know, you're getting the real product rather than something that's just put together with a combination of different ingredients to make it look like something. So, just being more more conscious of that. And, again, it's not all or nothing. It's a matter of variety. So, you can have those foods, just Put it in perspective. Your plate does need to be filled, ideally with lots of colorful fruits and vegetables. Enjoy whole grains. And then when it comes to your protein choice, pick and choose. And maybe you've never tried beans or lentils. Maybe you haven't tried tofu in a fun spice rub. Try something different. There's so many options. And registered dietitian nutrition can certainly help guide this process. So whether it's um, if your listeners are looking for one, they can go to the eatright.org website and there's a find a dietitian tab and they can plug in their zip code and find a dietitian in their area. But look for one who specializes in vegetarian nutrition so that they can really be confident in their skill set working with
0: you. Fantastic. That's eatright.org. And on the phone with me is Vandana Sheth and her website is V-A-N-D-A-N-A-S-H-E. E-t-h, Vandana, S-h-e-t-h, chef.com. Thank you so much for making the time today, Vandana, and for all your passion, which is so clear, and I really appreciate your integrated and holistic approach to this super complex, and yet all of us you know, are affected by a topic there's so much information out there and not every information is quite on the money, but your way of integrating and, and kind of a common sense approach is just really beautiful. Thank you for that and for making the time pleasure. today.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Vandana Sheth is a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and the spokesperson for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics who joined us today from Los Angeles. Thanks again, Vandana. Take care. Take Bye, care. Bye-bye. In this hour of An Organic Conversation, vegetarian or vegan diets, the health benefits of plant-based diets. And um, this is An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helberg, And we are staying with the topic of more plant-based, or in this case, entirely plant-based, the update from the produce doc in San Francisco of what this season is bringing in terms of fresh fruits, organic vegetables what's in season this week so you can pick the best produce and save some dollar by not being disappointed with your purchase here is what's in season And with us now is the voice of the San Francisco Produce Market. In this case, not in the form of Earl Herrick of Earl's Organic Produce, but of Christy Biddle. Uh, Just as good and just as knowledgeable. Christy, do we have you with us? I
2: am here. Thanks so much for having
0: me. (laughs) You are one of the fruit buyers uh, or, or produce buyers at... Earl's Organic for years, quite an authority in the field, actually at this point. And um, thanks so much for making time. What's the item of the of the week that you are really excited about?
2: Avocados. We are just transitioning avocados. into the California season and obviously Californians and people across the country love their avocados. So excited to talk about that today.
0: Oh, that's that's fascinating because we had you on the show literally half a year ago or so, roughly five months ago. We were just on the tail end of the California season into the Mexican season. So that's now done. And I guess everything we said then Reversed is now true for this moment. is that Is that about right?
2: More or less. <laughs> so from yes. a consumer,
0: I mean, avocados have have seen such a spike in interest, right? It's now mm-hmm. the new it's the new uh, chart or the new kale. Can you talk about that? Is that or is that just my presumption that avocados are just through the roof? People love them and have fully acknowledged them, and uh, of course, it's Super Bowl time anyway.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think you're right on the mark with that. Yeah, and there's been quite a bit of media attention also to the rising demand and growing demand for avocados. You know, that has been challenged a bit by a smaller crop this year hmm. in California. And Mexico has also been challenged in terms of supply and trying to feed the growing demand for uh, avocados as well.
0: And you, you mentioned, we talked about that before the production, and you, you mentioned an issue around creating more growing area for avocados. Can you talk about that?
2: Yeah, Definitely. So there have been a couple articles that have come out recently, one in particular by the New York Times, discussing deforestation in Mexico as more growers are looking to plant avocados, and that has led to um, a deforestation issue, which... Is a bit of a problem. So it's also affected the monarch butterfly habitat. And we have partnered with a company called Equal Exchange, who does fair trade organic avocados out of Michoacan, and been especially happy to work with them. Equal Exchange, they work with growers to plant pine trees, assist with maintaining the habitat for the monarch butterflies. Yeah, we're really proud to be working with them. They have outstanding fruit and are working to address
0: that issue. We talked with Earl about kind of those, you know, value benefit added uh, labels or companies in this case focused on social justice and environmental justice mm-hmm. uh, from fair trade, equal exchange, uh, organic, of course, the foundation of that as a, as it is a federal law. But there's so many areas like uh, a fair payment to the worker or habitat um, even outside of this country that need and deserve uh, and, and certainly obviously need extra attention where third-party certification, Uh, Or a group like Equal Exchange, who is an association of growers who do it right, is gaining more and more momentum and more and more attention in the public, people actually looking for that verification. Do you see that in, in organic in the segment that you are working with as well?
2: Absolutely. I think that the organic consumer uh, tends to be a fairly conscientious consumer, and I think it's fantastic to see the way that our customers have responded to, you know, us having a fair trade avocado to offer. A lot of people have jumped on board because they want to support social sustainability um, in the food system. And it, we've had a lot of support and enthusiasm around the fair trade avocados.
0: So w- would people see a farm name on the sign at the retail store, or would they see equal exchange? what 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 would they need to look for?
2: Yeah, so they would see equal exchange, and there is a, a little sticker on each avocado that's kind of a turquoise and red sticker which says equal exchange. So that is the easiest way to identify
0: them. Great. As for the growing season last um, August, we were just or September we were just leaving the California season. you were saying oils are you know really rich because it's really ripe fruit and yet the new Mexican avocado is still very early because that's when the season starts. What do people need to look for right now when they buy when they buy avocado and it's either still an, a Mexican one are we seeing yeah. the same issue with oil there now that need to be you need to be aware of and how young is the california crop
2: great question so the mexican fruit is very mature we're kind of at the tail end of the mexican season so we go through this very interesting conversation with our customers uh-huh. in late January and early February each year
0: Educating as the them. California
2: fruit yeah. starts to come on sure. uh, because the Mexican fruit is really going to provide a better eating experience. It's mature. It's been on the tree longer. It's higher oil. They ripen more evenly. So that, we feel, is definitely the best avocado to provide customers at this Time of year. The California fruit, which is just first getting picked, still is in the very early part of the season. So it hasn't been on the tree for quite as long. It isn't as high in oil. And our mantra here at Earl's is what's predictable about early season fruit is that it's unpredictable. (laughs) So, you know, it's a little harder to know if you grab an avocado how many days it's going to take to ripen, um, and just the early season fruit doesn't behave as nicely as a more mature uh, piece of fruit. So and, and you don't know if it,
0: if, it, if it does ripen, actually, right? Last, at least last fall, you were saying that it could be that the, the minimum oil content of, what was it, 11% or something like that, mm-hmm. if that's not reached, then even at home, two, three, four days later, you've been waiting for that avocado, and it will just not turn into a perfect avocado.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have had some California avocados in the early season that take, you can have it on your counter for 10 days and it's still, you know, it'll take about 10 days for it to be ripe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a little, yeah. So we do, um, one thing that you can do to assist avocado in ripening up a little bit uh, quicker is you can put it in a brown paper bag uh, which will trap the gas as the avocado starts to ripen and that will speed things along a little bit but the early season california fruit can just take a really really long time to be ready to eat
0: so if you can extend it and you see mexican avocados uh, is there a risk of that they are being overripe at this point or not quite yet
2: what I would say is I haven't had that experience myself at all. I'm mm-hmm. still continuing to buy the Mexican avocados because I do think that they are uh, More much favorable. better. Yeah. And I have not had the experience of, you know, kind of tasting the oil go rancid at all what i would recommend is eating it when it's a little bit more on the firm side so maybe not waiting until it's quite as soft as you might think to. Mm -hmm. that will ensure that you aren't eating it when it's a little too far along and that oil goes rancid or you get a, a funky flavor
0: Gotcha. Wonderful. So Mexican avocado, end of the season, better flavor, better experience, but don't wait until it's normally soft. You can eat it or you should eat it even a little bit firmer because the oil go... Bad quicker, but it's also more flavor still right now. Absolutely over California product. How would anyone know that buying, you know, I mean avocados are not ten cent items. They are two dollars a pop or more. Or if you get a good deal, maybe you get two for three dollars or something like that. But that's that's not an, an item where if one is bad, you just, you know, you just threw away a dollar fifty or two bucks. That's right. just <laughs> you really want to know this, and how would people know? So Mexican is ending, still the best. A price, but California is coming. When is California a safe bet from your perspective?
2: I would say once March? we get into March, the yeah. fruit starts to eat pretty nicely. At that point, you know, you're about, you're close to two months into the season and uh, the fruit starts to behave a lot, you know, ripen a lot better and yeah,
0: the oil is, is there at that point. Great. <laughs> very cute how you describe it. The fruit starts to behave like a little <laughs> yeah. puppy, and uh, and it, yeah. it, it eats very nicely. Okay, great. Yes. Wonderful. That's Christy Biddle, fruit buyer or a produce buyer at Earls. Uh, among many items, avocados, her specialty, obviously, and her passion. Thank you so much, Christy, for making time today. We'll have you back soon. Thank you, Helga. <laughs> Pleasure. Take care. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. That's the voice of the market for you to save a dollar, to know what to pick, what's in season, what's happening actually on the produce dock and in the retail aisle so you can make the most educated and informed choice, in this case, avocados. Wonderful. And that wraps up another hour of an organic conversation. Beautiful hour all about nutrition, healthy choices, healthy food, and with a high focus on a plant-based diet. More or entirely plant-based, if that's your motto, this was your hour for this year. All the health benefits, again, documented in new studies that have looked at vegetarian and vegan diets appropriate for any age and in any life circumstances, and many things to consider as this hour brought forward. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Helge Hellberg. This is An Organic Conversation, and we'll be back with another episode next week. Talk to you then. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger. For more episodes and our podcasts, go to anorganicconversation.com. And of course, you can follow us on facebook.com forward slash anorganicconversation. Our Twitter handle is talkorganic. And we're also on Instagram. I'm Helge Helberg, host and executive producer of An Organic Conversation, and we'll be back with another episode next week. Thank you so much for listening.